This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 389, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, July 6th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 389 as we take a look at some of the re- books that came out on Wednesday, July 6th, and do some quick reviews of them. I'm actually recording this on July 6th, which never happens anymore, where I'm actually recording on the day the comics come out. Uh, this episode probably won't be coming out till closer to, uh, I'm thinking, probably on the 11th or the 12th of July. But at least this episode will be in the can and... Uh, even though it's the day that these comics came out, I've actually got a chance to read eight of these books already. So uh, that's actually kind of what I've been averaging recently is eight to ten books a week is what I usually talk about. Sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on time. Uh, so let's just jump right in, why don't we? First up, we have Amazing Spider-Man 15, which I was really torn about. Uh, it's written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage, art by Giuseppe Camincoli. And I thought the, the, the fight sequence against Regent was a little simplistic, uh, with Mary Jane going into action as the Iron Spider. Um, they kind of bringing up the continuity of her having an Iron Man costume once during the other, which was not something I ever loved. Um, so having them reference it, it's nice to use continuity. I just wish it was continuity I liked more. Um, and just felt the, the entire kind of takedown of Regent felt simplistic. And then that whole concept of, of both Peter... Uh, Regent and MJ feeling that there's something very similar about this, like they've done it before. I don't know if there's any point to, to that. Um, and the idea that, you know, something's different, obviously that their daughter doesn't even exist. Uh, and then we get to the end of the issue, which I liked a lot more, where the idea that Peter's, you know, trying to, you know, put his life back together and realize he's, he's putting certain things in the background and he really has to, you know, remember who Peter is. And the only thing that bugged me about this is that it's a nice sequence, but the, the fake out page I found completely unnecessary. The whole, oh, we think that Peter's actually going to get, you know, maybe have a, almost have like a date with MJ or get together with her. And they have shared precious little screen time. Um, so that, you know, obviously it's meant to make you think that they're going to get to spend some time together. And then it just, nope, she's with Tony and he's with, you know, his basically his entire supporting cast but MJ. It just felt very disingenuous and just very like, oh, we got you thinking, and then we totally switched it up. I'm like, well, you know, fuck you. Uh, I don't think that's necessary. I don't, I don't, I don't think it was a moment to do a bait and switch or, or something cute like that. I think the the whole idea of Peter trying to get his priorities in, in, in place was good enough, regardless of whether or not it be MJ or his colleagues and his supporting cast. And it's just nice to have all these people in a room because we don't get to see that anymore. Um, although it, it doesn't even make sense for all these people to be in a room anymore. Maybe not, but it's nice to see. And then we got kind of a climactic ending where, based on the last issue, we might have thought something was going to happen to Aunt May, but instead it looks like something is happening instead to her husband, Jay. Um, I thought that was an effective ending. It, was, it kind of took me by surprise because that's not who I expected to go down for the count, so to speak. Um... So that was interesting. Otherwise, uh, the issue was, you know, kind of forgettable, but I liked the, the last few pages, even though I did not like that bait and switch, as I said. I'm going to give the issue a, a six. I thought the art by Kevin Coley was good, but not great. It was serviceable. It got the job done, but I also thought, especially when we have all the characters showing up in their civilian clothes, he, the uh, the crispness of the visuals in terms of each of the characters' uh, visual expressions, etc., didn't quite work. I thought MJ just doesn't quite feel right either. Um, Spider-Man himself in his weird kind of spider armor that he's wearing these days just, just looks off. It always looks... 
you know, a little awkward and uh, it just doesn't look as fluid, which makes sense because it's not his traditional skin tight costume, but it just makes me miss it more. I'll give it a six. Uh, next up is Batman. This is issue number two. Uh, I actually thought this was really good. Issue one I liked. It was very fast paced. It was just Batman trying to stop a plane. And here it's a, a lot more going on. Uh, it's written by Tom King, um, who I think is a, a great, great voice for the character. Um, penciled by David Finch. And uh, I, di- I don't think I can buy Superman kind of hoisting Solomon Grundy like he does here. Uh, but otherwise, I thought this was kind of cool seeing you know the new Gotham and Gotham Girl, uh, what Batman kind of thinks of them, and him being a lot more open to them than you might expect Batman to be and introducing them to Gordon. Like, this feels very fresh. Uh, it definitely feels like we're, we're going in you know, new directions and it's, it kind of reminds me of when Scott Snyder took over Batman in the new 52 where, you know, not a lot really changed for Batman, but it still felt fresh, new and exciting. And that's kind of how I feel about this new direction. And the first issue was, is just more of a, an action packed adrenaline, you know, book. And this had a lot more going through it. And I'm excited to see where they go from here. I think Tom King's really setting up, setting the stage nicely. I thought uh, David Finch's artwork looked great. I'm going to give it an eight out of 10, very solid read. Uh, next up is Green Lanterns number two. I like this. Uh, I think I, in some ways, liked it more than the first issue. Um, it definitely feels like this is not the core book. This is the you know the secondary Green Lantern title. It's written by Sam Humphreys, artwork by Rob Soroka, and I thought he actually did a pretty good job. It's called Rage Planet Part Two. As we see a little bit more of exactly what the Red Lanterns and um, their leader are really planning to do, and we get more characterization on Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz, more on on uh, Jessica than Simon, but definitely kind of contrasting their personalities. Her not really knowing how to use the ring and Simon being a lot more comfortable with it, but also more arrogant, uh, a little bit more like Hal. Um, I'm, I enjoyed this. I thought it was an interesting, it's an interesting kind of buddy cop thing. Um, and interesting to see how they do this because really it's a procedural, but with superhero trappings. And I like that. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I thought it was actually a very strong issue. I'm excited to see what they do next. Uh, next up is Invincible Iron Man number 11, which I did not really enjoy. Um, the artwork by Mike Diodato Jr. just hasn't looked been right. I don't know what it is. Not right. That's really subjective, but there's just something that feels a little off about it. I do like that the colors um, are consistent with what we were seeing in the market art. Um, and, and the visuals at times are really good, but I don't like how Tony looks. I just don't think that looks like Tony. I don't really like uh, Tony's... Um, you know, cover identity. Now, the action sequence, the brief one where the Avengers and S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, take out you know, this facility, I thought was awesome. It looked bombastic. The colors were vibrant. Uh, it looked like a giant, you know, thing out of a movie, like a big action-packed sequence. But the rest of the issue doesn't quite, you know, live up to that. And at the end, I just don't know if, like, Tomo's around, but now she's kind of going out there. And I just I did not find that that enjoyable. Um, and it looks like they're kind of leading up to, you know, Riki, who, or Riri, or whatever her name is, who's basically going to be the new uh, Captain, no, Captain America, the new Iron Man uh, in the new relaunch book that just got kind of announced today. I don't really care for that character thus far, and I'm not really that interested. Um, I love the cover for the next issue with uh, Iron Man and Captain America, you know, busting into somewhere together. I think it looks fantastic. Um, I just wish the rest of what we were getting was better. Um, the storyline, it just felt kind of half-baked and it didn't feel like it came to a good conclusion. 
Uh, it felt like it came to a Bendis conclusion, kind of weak and not really worth the, the build-up, and the art hasn't been Didato's strongest, so I'll give it a six. Uh, next up is Spider-Woman. This is issue number nine. This was fantastic, which is not a surprise because Dennis Hopeless and Rodriguez are just... Do- Javier Rodriguez, I should say, are just killing it on this book. Um, it's just got some fantastic art. It's uh, Spider-Woman and Roger going up against some Wendigo. At the same time, Captain Marvel is trying to get in touch with Spider-Woman because she wants to talk to her about Ulysses and what she should do about it and maybe enlisting Spider-Woman to do some investigations for her into some of the smaller things that Ulysses is um, having premonitions about. This was just fantastic. Uh, a great kind of examination of the relationship between Spider-Woman and Captain Marvel and how at the moment Spider-Woman just wants nothing to do with having to listen to Carol go on and on and uh, Roger doing his best uh, to you know play detective and try to stop people from meeting human flesh and become Wendigos themselves and then finding himself way over his head Uh, fantastic just so good this book is one of my favorite books that's on the stands it's just absolutely fantastic I'll give that a solid 9 out of 10 Uh, next up is Superman number 2 this was great Uh, I thought this was really good um, it's by a great creative team, Peter J. Tomasi, and artwork by uh, John. Uh, sorry, Patrick Gleason, I should say. Um, and I like that on the credits page they have the two of them just listed as storytellers because I feel like at this point that's probably what they are. They this feels like Superman. This feels like you know the pre-Flashpoint version of Superman. Um, John is fantastically written, and I like how the relationship is progressing. I th- I'm surprised in a good way that they didn't go in a darker direction with what happened to the cat last issue. Although that was such a dark moment, it now feels like it kind of stands out as a weird moment because they kind of hand wave it here as it was an accident. Don't worry about it, and Lois might be upset about it, but you know it's okay, and we understand. And you have these powers, and it's going to be all right. And it's just weird because they played up that moment of such horror in the first issue. And here, it feels like they kind of swept it under the rug. That being said, I'm really enjoying what they're doing here. It's a great, you know, father-son relationship. And um, it's interesting, too, that, you know, we got to see a very different type of father and son relationship by um, Tomasi when he was writing Batman and Robin. And now in Superman, we're seeing a very different type of family. Uh, And then we're also getting the return of a very classic-looking Eradicator as well. Uh, this is great. Uh, I'm going to give this a, a very solid uh, 8.5 out of 10. A fantastic read. Uh, probably my second favorite read this week um, behind Spider-Woman. Um, but no, actually, it might have some competition with a book we haven't talked about yet. But very good. Then we've got Superman, the coming of the, the Superman number 6. Um, I've liked how silly and campy this book has become. Uh, the art is, has a certain, you know, kind of over-inked, Bronze Age uh, look to it, but here I think it just went nuts. Uh, it's written by Neil Adams, art by Neil Adams, inks, ink assists, I should say, by Buzz. Um, I hate the lettering here by Cardinal Ray. I just, I it just looks so awkward, and it's just, it's so, I guess, very old school. But I don't think it fits. But I guess it kind of does. But it just, it's so jarring when you're not used to it anymore. And the overall story here was pretty terrible. Like I feel like the last issues were. You know, kind of silly and robust. 
And here I just felt like it was kind of silly and ridiculous, and I don't I don't know why Luther was acting this way, and and um, uh, this L creature was an odd thing, and High Father was the dog, and I don't know I don't even remember if that was kind of led up to before, and Dark Side just felt very diminished and not nearly as as regal and, and grand as you expect a character like Dark Side to be written as. Uh, I just felt that this was a major step down and a weird kind of clunking end to this series. I'll give it a 4 out of 10. And last, but most definitely not least, we have the Totally Awesome Hulk, which is indeed totally awesome. It's issue number 8. It's written by Greg Pak, our work by Alan Davis. Man, Alan Davis kills it here. Pak also does an amazing job, and we got some absolutely incredible uh, Bruce Banner and Amadeus Cho characterization and interplay. We also have She-Hulk showing up, as well as uh, Rick Jones. Um, It's extremely well-written, just really cool stuff uh amadeus is having to deal with a lot so is bruce uh their relationship really takes a a big corner here and it's just amazing and i last issue was great because you ended with this great moment between um bruce banner and tony stark and this issue tops it and the look up on the last panel of bruce banner just looking so content although it may just be me i'm colorblind so i actually can't tell but is, are Bruce's eyes green in the last shot, or are they something else? Anyways, it's called Peace in Our Time. It's absolutely fantastic. It's quiet. It's um, it's not a big you know fight issue. The first arc kind of took care of that. Instead, it's this much much more introspective issue, which really gets to the heart of uh, of Bruce and who he is without the Hulk. And obviously, that won't last forever. But it's just. I almost feel like after these two issues, I almost would be okay if he was never the Hulk again. Like, it's so heartwarming to see this happen to this character. It makes me wish that comics could be more finite because it's a wonderful story for this character who's been through everything. And I also like the idea here that, you know, Amadeus is going to be a very different type of Hulk just because he doesn't, he's not the, he's never killed someone in the same way that, you know, Bruce did. Bruce, you know, killed his dad. Uh, whether, how much he meant to or not. Um, so, I mean, that, and that's part of what drives that character. It's a huge uh, moment in his history, and Amadeus doesn't have that fuel in him. It's just, it's incredible stuff. You should definitely read this. Um, I would, as I said, like, I think this issue and Spider-Woman were my highlights. Um, and then so was Spider-Man. I think, sorry, Superman, I should say. I think it's going to turn out that I'll give Spider-Woman and Totally Awesome Hulk 9s and Superman 8.5, but man, it was close. Like, those three books were the top reads, bar none. If you could only read three of the books of the eight I read, those would be the three I would say. Some of the books I did not get a chance to read thus far, which is understandable because they just came out today, include Aquaman, a new issue of Batman Beyond, new issue of Bloodlines, um, a new issue of Donald Duck, Captain America, Sam Wilson, Civil War II, Kingpin number one, Civil War II, X-Men number two, which I've heard is good, uh, Daredevil, Punisher number three, the print edition, Deadpool vs. Gambit, uh, Moon Knight, Punisher, Scarlet Witch, Silver Server, Spider-Man 2099, Spidey, tons of Marvel stuff, uh, Star Wars Han Solo, Star Wars Podameron, and Vote Loki. Uh, so that's just some of the stuff that also came out today. When we look ahead to next week, or, uh, which would be the releases from the week of July 13th, some of the highlights will include new issue of Action Comics, uh, new issue of Detective Comics, a Flash, a Nightwing Rebirth, um, we also have Wacky Raceland number two and Wonder Woman number two, as well as the Wonder Woman by Greg Rucka collection, volume one, which is timely, uh, as well as Tales of the Batman by Alan Brennert. Uh, so that's some good stuff there. And then from IDW next week, they'll be back to future number 10, uh, as well as new issue of Mickey Mouse Shorts season one, number one. 
uh, Ragnarok number nine, Walt Disney Comics and Stories number seven thirty three. And then over at uh, Marvel, we'll have a new issue of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all-new X-Men, Civil War II, its third issue, Civil War II, Amazing Spider-Man number two, Civil War II, Choosing Sides number two, Civil War II, Gods of War number two. I'm super pumped for that. New issue of Daredevil. There's the Daredevil Epic Collection, Man Without Fear, which is, I believe, the first volume of that well, I mean, not not first that they published, but the first chronologically uh, of those volumes. Uh, we'll have a new issue of Deadpool. I'm really starting to fall behind on that. New issue of New Avengers, Old Man Logan, Power Man and Iron Fist, uh, Silk, uh, Spider Women comes into the trade paperback format. We have the first uh, trade of Totally Awesome Hulk, which I definitely recommend reading because I found it a lot of fun. As well as the new issue of Vision, Web Warriors, and also we have Wolverine, Old Man Logan trade paperback volume one called Berserker, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, so that's everything or some of the highlights coming out next week as well you can always email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com like the show on Facebook rate and review us on iTunes subscribe to us on iTunes and also listen to us on Stitcher uh, we should have I believe that episodes 390 should be an episode focusing on uh, the Ghostbusters film and then I believe the week after that I could be wrong about here I think the week after that I'll have um, the spotlight on Star Trek Beyond uh, which I guess will be episode keeping losing track i think episode 392 i think 394 will be a conversation with paul jenkins but that has not been fully confirmed uh then we'll have a spotlight on suicide squad um and then i think 398 might be a conversation with kevin boyd who works for fan expo and then that'll uh or that might actually be for episode 402 we've got a lot of stuff coming up episode 400 i'm really excited about not sure what it's going to be if it's going to be a variety of different segments or if it's going to be just one kind of big stream of consciousness thing that i film on or film that i record on uh, on my vacation uh, that i'll be taking the week basically before it comes out but uh a lot of good stuff coming up this summer and then as we come into fall um it's not as easy for me to record the interviews anymore but i'm hoping to line up some uh, new episodes with ron friends uh louise simonson amongst many others so we we have some good stuff coming up so and hopefully you enjoyed the last episode with john sepper jr which was episode 388 uh so anyways thank you for joining me for episode 389 we will catch you next time as we talk about ghostbusters in episode 390 thanks again and bye-bye